Um, here's a quote um, from the book Prince Caspian. And this is as I speak. He says to, um, to the guys, he says, You come from the Lord Adam and the Lady Eve, said Aslan. And that is both honour enough to erect the head of the poorest beggar and shame enough to bow the shoulders of the greatest emperor on earth. Be content. He's trying to describe what it means to be a person. He says there is incredible honour in being a person and yet in, in complete shame. Uh, so we're going to look and explore this morning about, well, what is that true? Uh, what does it mean uh, to be a person? Now, I guess we look at the round of the world and we look at our friends, we look at the world and we see people do really, really good things. And yet we see people do really, really bad things, don't we? So even yesterday I was playing hockey and um, at one point in the game, my, one of my guys who plays on my team was really honest. He admitted that he'd hit it out, which was a good thing. And later on in the game, he hit a ball in someone's head and they were bleeding and he just said, let's carry on playing. Um, really good and really bad all at the same time. Why are people like that? Well, we're going to start off thinking about the first bit, about how there's great honour in being a person. And so my first point this morning um, is that man is made in God's image. Okay, Man is made in God's image. So God, in, in the chapter 1 of Genesis, he makes loads of different things. He makes the land and the sea, birds and the fish, the land animals. And finally, he makes people. It's like the pinnacle of his creation, uh, the best bit. Um, but he makes people different to animals. Okay, different. We're made of the same stuff as animals, and we get that in chapter two. So we're similar to animals in terms of what we're made from. So it's no surprise when scientists tell us we share a lot of our DNA with animals. We're made of the same stuff. And but yet we are different. Um, so just look um, with me at verse 26 of Genesis chapter one. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish you see and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So verse 27, God created man in his own image. God makes man, people like you and me, special. Made in his image. We are made, and this is mind-blowing, we are made like God. That's what he says about people, like God. Now I guess many of us have maybe heard that before. That's familiar. And we know that we're made like God. Um, but we're going to think through some of the implications of that, um, first of all. And the first big implication um, of being made like God, in God's image, is, well, God is God, and we're not. Um, we are creatures. We are made. We've been formed. And um, people, me and you, are not God. God created man in his image. People haven't made God in theirs. It's a really important point, but we are not God. God is God. And God made us in his image. And we are made, and we, therefore we don't have the right to decide for ourselves what is right and wrong. Because God is God, and he pulls the shots. And the person who made us decides that. And the fact that we aren't God means that we don't know everything, we can't do everything, and we don't control anything, ultimately. God is God. He's in control. He's God. We are creatures. That means we're dependent, we're needy, and we're limited. And so what we need to do is we need to embrace our creatureliness. We need to see ourselves as we really are. We can't do everything. We're made. We're not God. And second implication of being made in God's image 
got a bit carried away with my keynote this time. Um, we're not just animals. Um, so, you know, you probably hear it all the time in the media, people, you know, the human is just a, you know, an animal. You know, you and me, baby, are nothing but mammals. That song. We're just animals. That's the way the world tells us. We're just animals. But this teaching here is fundamental. It says we're not just animals. We have a special place in God's world. Uh, to no other animal did God say, you're made in my image. And so when you look at a frog, you can be sure that a frog is not made in God's image. Um, dogs are not made in God's image. The humpback whale is not made in God's image. Cats are not made in God's image. Only people are made in God's image. Um, in chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. We're the only creature that God breathes his life into, especially. And you know what that means? That means each one of us here, each person in the whole world, has great value, huge value and significance in God's eyes. And God has made people and placed them in a special place of honour. We're made in his image. We're made like God. And so I guess this is, um, well, perhaps I'm going to rub his face. Imagine you were presented with a choice, okay? Um, in front of you, there was, a, there was a, a pond. And in the pond was a dog drowning. But also in the pond drowning was a child. Who would you save? Well, I bet you all think it's obvious, don't you? You save the person. And of course you would. But why? Well, the answer is right here. It's that a person is made in God's image and an animal is not. And so therefore, people are more important than animals. Far more important. And you see, if we're just animals, as some people say, then actually the choice you could choose which one you wanted, the dog or the human, it wouldn't matter. But it does matter, doesn't it? Because God has said each one of us is made in his image and we're important. Now, some people say, um, there's a guy called Peter Singer, we're going to look at a quote from him in a second, say that until a person um, can contribute something to society, they're pretty much worthless. Because, I mean, one of the questions was homo laborans or homo laboro, which means man is work. So unless you can produce anything or do anything good, you're not worth anything. Um, Here's a quote from a guy called Peter Singer. He says, species membership in homo sapiens is not morally relevant. If we compare a dog or a pig to a severely defective infant, we often find the non-human to have superior capacities. He's basically saying that animals, if they can do better stuff than you can, they're worth more. That's what he's saying. And um, later on, this guy, Peter Singer, he says um, in another book that um, it's perfectly acceptable to kill a child unless they contribute something. If they're not going to contribute anything, you can kill them. It's quite shocking, isn't it? Because the reason he thinks that is because in his head he's not got clear what the Bible says here in Genesis 1, that people are made in God's image and so are special and significant and valuable regardless of any work they can do, regardless of how disabled they may be. Every person is made in God's image. Even the poorest beggar, the youngest child, the oldest man in the world... Whatever they can do or can't do, God says they are honoured and they are valued in his eyes. We are made in his image and we are made like him. And so I don't know about you, but sometimes we do feel a bit insignificant. 
But what God says here is true. He says about you that you are made in his image and therefore you are hugely valued and significant in his eyes. Now maybe you think, well, that seems a bit harsh. Doesn't it? What about the animals? I mean, surely um, if, if God said human beings are basically more important to me, then animals don't matter. I'm sure we can treat animals badly, perhaps. Uh, well, no. That is not the case. Because um, God makes us in his image, and the reason he does that is so that we would bring life and blessing. He wants us to bring life and blessing. Just look at chapter 1, and verse 28. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds over the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Now, reading that, you might think, oh, rule, that sounds bad. Um, so God's made these people to, like, oppress the animals and the creation is made. Because um, often we think about rule as being kind of harsh and uncaring, don't we? Um, but God is not asking them to do that at all. Um, the word rule here isn't an oppressive, harsh word. It's a word that's all about care and concern. Um, his rule is a rule of life and blessing. And what the people of God makes, uh, they're supposed to go out into the world and to care for it, to look after it, to bring life to it, to tend it. And um, so God gives life to the people he makes and he blesses them so that they would bring life and blessing to the world around them. That is what we're supposed to do as people. We're made in his image so that we would bring life and blessing to the world so I guess many of us um, I was challenged about this thing about this. if I'm supposed to bring life and blessing to the world then I'm not to use creation and abuse it I'm to care for it and look after it it's my job um, animals are not there for me to just um, to do with what I want I'm to look after them and care for them it's what it means to be made in God's image and so just as we come to the end of this, this first bit, I want to think, so why do people do good things? Well, it's because they're made in God's image. And so when you see anyone in the world do something good, well, what they're doing at that point is that they're reflecting who they really are, a person made in God's image. You see, as we'll see um, in the moment, that the image of God is, is tainted, um, as some of you were saying, um, homo-tainted over here, homo-cheat at the back, um, is marred, the image of God is, but... It's not so mad that people don't still do good things. Uh, so when people do good things, we should praise God that he is working good in us and in others. And we are people who are made to bring life and blessing to the world. And when we're doing that, that's what we're doing, what we're made for. We're being truly human. Great, we're just spending a little bit of time in groups, maybe just five minutes. And um, what evidence do we see in the world that people are made in God's image? And um, how does knowing people are made in God's image affect the way you view them and treat them? Just five minutes, have a chat about that. Man, man is made for God. Um, so last week we saw that God is relational. And he's, he's a relational God who's in relationship within himself, uh, Father, Son and Spirit. And we're made in his image, so that means we are relational too, aren't we? Um, I don't know about you, but I hate spending loads of time by myself. I get bored very quickly. I'm like a leech. I need people to sort of suck the fun off them. Um, and I don't know about you, but we, the media all around us is always telling us something, isn't it? That um, if you're not with someone or you're, you're lonely, then you're like a complete loser. Um, and every film, kind of song, 
even adverts on television, they seem to all be about relationships and friends, don't they? All that kind of stuff. Um, and our world is kind of obsessed, I'd say, with relationships. Um, and I wonder, actually, whether that is just a reflection of being made in God's image a bit. Because we're made by a relational God. We're made for relationships. So it's no wonder um, that relationships are so important to us. And we're made like God, so we're made for relationships. Uh, but primarily, our, the number one relationship, which we all really need to be obsessed by and have as our number one priority, is our relationship with God. And our secondly is our relationship with other people. We are made for God, and we're made for God so that we would know him. That's what we talked about last week. We're supposed to know God. So just turn to chapter 2 of Genesis and look at verse 8. Chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God, as we saw last week, uh, makes people so that they would, would know him. And to be made in God's image means we can know him, unlike the animals. We can know God. And so God places his people in a special garden, a garden that he walks around, a garden where God is present. And this garden is just so good, isn't it? Um, wonderful trees uh, that are not just functional, uh, but they're beautiful, they're fashionable, if you like. Um, you know, girls tend to go for fashion, don't they? Guys go for function. And um, the garden is perfect for both. Um, the food is, trees are pleasing on the eye, and yet they produce loads of fruit. They're functional and fashionable. And in the middle is this tree of life, where they can come and get life again and again and again. They can live forever with God, knowing him. Um, it's a pretty amazing picture, I think. Uh, the garden is the place where men and women know God and enjoy knowing him. It's great. And you see, the amazing thing is we've got to think about ourselves. We're made in God's image, so we're made to know God. If we don't know God, then we're not really living. We're not really being human, if you like. Because to be made in God's image, to be truly human, is to know God. And to not know God is to not be human. Fully. To not be fully human. It's, it's a weird thought, isn't it? But if you're made by God to know him and you don't, then you're not really functioning properly as a person, as a human being. And you see, it's not just that we're to know God. We go the next step. If you know God, then you will worship him. That's what you do. You'll worship him. And just look at chapter 2 and verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, the phrase in verse 15, to work and take care of, could, could actually be translated to worship and obey. Um, but either way, whichever way it's translated, um, it seems clear what God wants them to do. He says, you know me, so obey me. You know me, so enjoy all the, free, all the trees in the garden. Eat from all of them, except this one. Enjoy eating from those trees, but don't eat from this one. Obey me, worship me. Show that you adore me in the way that you live. You see, worship is to do what God asks of you, basically. Remember last week we were thinking about the trees and rabbits, etc. Um, God speaks and they do what he says. And that's what people are to do too. That's what they're made for. They're made to know God and do what he says. That's how we'll function best. 
See, being made like God, being made in his image, means we're made to know him and worship him, to do what he says. And so the command here is for Adam and Eve uh, to bring life and blessing to the world, to take care of the garden. And that's what life should be about, worshipping God by bringing life and blessing to the world. You see, to not know God means you're not being fully human. Uh, To not do what God says means you're refusing to be what you are, a person made by God. So we are creatures, and when God speaks... It's ridiculous to not do what he says. God makes us so that we would know him and worship him. That is the way the world goes. People are made to worship. Every person who has ever been made by God has been made to know him and do what he says to worship him. That's what we're made for. And so the question is, are we? Which brings me on to chapter 3 of Genesis, uh, my final point, man's refusal uh, to be man. So just in your groups, um, if you read Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 to 10, thank you. Um, It's because people are made in God's image that they do good things. Um, But why do we do bad things? Or as C.S. Lewis put it, he says, "What, what is there is there's shame enough in people to bow the shoulders of the greatest emperor on earth? Well, we've come to the fall. Um, what is eating from this tree the knowledge you're going to hear all about and first of all I want to say that it's about basically refusing to let God be God Um, or de-godification if you want a a strange word that I may have just made up Um, refusing to let God be God, de-godification just look at verse 4 of chapter 3, it says uh, the serpent says you will not surely die the serpent said to the woman why? for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened And you will be like God. Uh, This is what the devil is promising. You see, he's saying, look, basically, eat the fruit and you can be like God. You can make the decisions. You can decide what is right and what is wrong. I think that's what this tree of knowledge is going to be all about. It's about decision making. It's about getting rid of God and Adam and Eve wanting to make decisions for themselves. Instead of trusting that God is good instead of obeying the God who made them, instead of letting all this all-knowing, all-good, all-wise God decide for them what is right and wrong, they want to decide themselves. And this is the God who has made a world purposefully so that they would know him and enjoy life and blessing from him. This is the God who is so committed to them, committed to their thriving as people, It's staggering, really, that they would even entertain the idea of doing this, isn't it? Why would they not want God to be God? He's just so good, isn't he? We've seen that from last week. Just so good. But they reject God. And it just seems like a no-brain, doesn't it? I mean, you imagine, you think, if you're there, why don't they just, the the snake starts talking, stamp on his head. (laughs) Smack him against the wall, kill him. Tell him to shut up. What are you on about? Why would I want to do what you say? God is so good. He's so kind. He's so amazing. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to disobey him? Uh, But they don't. Why would they want to give up on this perfect place where they can know God and worship him? Do Do they really think they can do a better job than God? 
You see, God wouldn't have asked them to not eat from the tree unless it was for their good, would he? Just look back to two, chapter 2 and verse 16. Uh, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. So huge freedom. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? For when you eat of it, you will surely die. It's God's good care for them that he tells them not to eat from this tree. Yeah, what do they do? Chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it and gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. This is just so sad, isn't it? Really sad. They refuse to let God be God. They want to be gods themselves. Uh, by eating the fruit, they de-God God, if you like. Uh, this is what's happening, I reckon, around our world every minute of every day uh, when people don't obey God. They're refusing to let God be God. They're saying, no, I want to be in charge. I want to make the decisions. I want to decide what is right and wrong. And this is what's happening in us too. This is our shame, as C.S. Lewis puts it. Rejecting knowing God and all his goodness for wanting to be God ourselves. This is my shame. This is your shame. This is the shame of all humanity, that we would do such a thing. Adam and Eve believe the lie that eating the fruit will make them more than they are. But the reality is it only makes them less. It only makes them less. You see, the thing with sin, the thing with rejecting God, wanting to be God, is that he's actually dehumanising. Um, just look at chapter 3 and verse 8. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Um, Satan promised uh, Adam and Eve that they would become more than they were. But they become less. Just look at the result. They're made to know God and they hide from him. They hide from the God they were made to know. What Adam and Eve do is reject knowledge of God and enjoy worshipping so then they just disobey him. You see, if we're made to know God and to worship him, to not do that means we're becoming less human and not more human. I don't know about you, but often when I, I view sin, I think this is the thing that will make me more human. Um, you know, we can think about it, well, it's obvious in, perhaps in times of stuff, in times of, maybe if I get drunk, I'll become more human, I'll experience life more fully. Or when it comes to sex, if I have sex, well, that will make me more human rather than less. But the reality is, sin is dehumanising. It will make me less human because I'm made to know God and worship him and do what he says. See, this is why people around the world like me and you go wrong each of us has this kind of mental stupid nonsensical view that if we can do a better job than God can that what we think is right and wrong is far better and far more wise than him we're refusing to be creatures we're refusing to know God for just wanting to be God ourselves that's what's going on in us that's what's going on in our friends. That's what's going on in the world. Day after day. This is what 
Aslan said. He said, you come from the Lord Adam and the Lady Eve. And that is both honor enough to erect the head of the poorest beggar and shame enough to bow the shoulders of the greatest emperor on earth. You see, we're all people who are made in God's image, yet we're all people who reject God as God and want to go our own way. And so in being a person, there is great honor and great shame. So we're just going to spend five minutes in groups looking at the effect of rejecting God as God. And then we'll come back together um, for a little bit of hope at the end. Great. Okay. Look, I don't know about you, but this kind of not letting God be God, I can see it in the world. I can see it in my friends, but I see it in myself um, all the time. Particularly in the way I view people. God says, made in my image, valuable, significant. I look at people and make a judgment. And often it's not a positive one. It's terrible, isn't it? We're not letting God be God. Well, um, in addition to the radio, Rihanna came on. <laughs> Didn't realise it was Rihanna until I checked out, but um, loving a hopeless place. It seems pretty hopeless, doesn't it? You get to the end of chapter three, and um, they are thrown out of the garden. They're going to die. And guarding the way back into the garden, which is where being in God's presence, is like a ninja angel and a massive flaming sword. It's not looking good. Um, and you're left at this show, you're thinking, well, what's good? is God going to give up on people? I mean, he did this amazing stuff. He made this amazing world, especially for them, that they would know him and enjoy knowing him. Is that it? Is that the end of the Bible? I mean, there's obviously quite a lot left, as you can see. And where's it all going to head? Is there going to be any solution? Well, just look with me um, at chapter 3 and verse 15. Even in the place of uh, God punishing, he promises. Um, chapter 3 and verse 15. Uh, God speaking to the woman, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. So speaking to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And God here is promising someone, uh, a human, who will one day destroy Satan and his lies. He will deal with sin. This is going to be a true human. This is what the promise is. Uh, someone who truly knows God and worships him, does what he says all the time. And this is someone who will find himself in a garden, tempted to not go God's way, but will say, yet not my will, but yours be done. Uh, This true human who knows God perfectly and worships him, does what he says all the time, is Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He perfectly obeys God. He worships him perfectly. He knows God fully. And what does he do? He dies on a cross. He suffers death and separation from God so that people like you and me can be forgiven for refusing to let God be God. So people like you and me can be forgiven so that we would be able to know God fully and live with him again in a perfect place in heaven. And so even here, right at the start of the Bible, even when people have absolutely messed it up, have rejected such a good God, he promises them salvation. And we are all people who refuse to let God be God. And we are all people, therefore, who need to be forgiven. And so what we must do is come to Jesus and find forgiveness in him. And so we're going to sing of that forgiveness now in the words of our last song. So we're going to invite the band up. As we're singing this, do you have in your minds that we're people who have not let God be God um, and be amazed 
at what Jesus has done for us in dying for us on a cross.